0: Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. And we're off. We're here. (laughs) That's all I've got for today.
1: I know, same. It's getting harder doing what the Lord wants me to do in regards to, like, finding a job and... Mm-hmm. going to that next step yeah and all and the full moon is out so like all i want to do hey. is nothing I and lay out. around and yeah and the Lord's so basically like, and the lord's like no keep it up let's mm-hmm. go keep up and i'm like i don't want to
0: right well i think we're getting to the point like in the pandemic where it's like okay this isn't about to stop like everyone's been saying so we have to adjust mm-hmm. to the new life that is before us yeah. and to start moving on again and the lord has given us i think a little bit of time for la- over the last couple of months to like slow down and try to catch up but now it's just like oh well like this isn't going on forever we have to start moving again we have to start living our lives in this new way and it's like you said it's just like we have to start moving fast again and it's like i but we got comfortable doing less and we're not ready to do anything now
1: yeah it's mostly I got comfortable not having to stress about a job
0: mm, because mm-hmm.
1: I was just trying to figure out where the Lord wanted me to go. And that was stressing me out enough as it was. <laughs> and now yeah. I'm like, I'm where the Lord wants me to be for now, but I need to get to that next step. And the Lord's just telling me, you have to do this and you have to do this. And if you're not doing this, then you're not going to get to this point. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, so... It's a mess. yeah it's great. We're fine. You're fine. You're doing great.
1: I'll be Thank fine. You. I will be fine. In the immortal words of Justin D's child, I'm a survivor. Hey. I'm not going to give up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to stop. I'm going to work harder. <laughs>
0: hey, hey. Oh, Yes, rocket.
1: Alright, let's jump into this. Let's do it. Let's rip the band-aid off, because... We know it's gonna lead to some rage along the road, so let's let's do it. Bring it on. So <laughs> this could end up being a multi part series and mm-hmm. to be totally honest, because there is so much content we could cover, we really could stretch this out for like weeks. So maybe mm-hmm. this will just be like our introduction to the topic and then in the future we'll dive deeper. Mm-hmm. Um But basically, just from our research, we wanted to skim the surface on the topic of gender roles and gender stereotypes and double standards for genders. Like we said earlier, we covered a few double standards during our topic of modesty last week. So this week we'll be highlighting a few more while also focusing on empowering each other to be the best versions of ourselves and our sexes that we can be. Because even though you know us so well and we like to go on our little ranty rages or ragey rants, um, (laughs) we're going to try to end it on a positive note by doing some empowerment at the end. So... Yeah.
0: I know. So yeah, let's do this. It's going to be great, you guys. Just get ready to dive right in, put your seatbelts on. Today, we're starting with gender roles and how they played, indoctrinally, how they play into the church, as well as outside the church, such as just in basic society. Um, because there are different ways that they do get viewed, and it complicates a lot of relationships, I think, ultimately. But there's a lot to be considered to to take a step back and to really see where they are and how they play into our daily lives, um, wherever we might be.
1: And our second category is going to be stereotypes. So there we're going to highlight toxic masculinity, toxic femininity,
0: and many more things which we see within our genders. Exactly. And then continuing on with that, Concept is the double standards that we um, tend to see within society, within, uh, in regards to genders and everything. It'll include things like modesty and chastity and the work balance life. Um, So that's going to be fun. And then, of course, we'll end it strong.
1: With empowerment. So here's hoping we stay on track today. (laughs)
0: All right. Got our fingers crossed.
1: All right. So let's start out with gender roles. And we're going to start off with doctrinally and within the LDS church, because there's a lot. Um, mm-hmm. We have a past. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, in the church, we've learned a lot about gender being of divine design predetermined in the pre-mortal existence. Today, we are not going to be contesting that or agreeing specifically with that. We are going to be looking at what the doctrine has taught us specifically about gender roles and mm-hmm. what society has taught us for hundreds of years about gender roles. Um, that narrative we know is very much changing in our time, and we look forward to doing an episode about that specifically in the future when we, Kaylee and Tracy, <laughs> understand more about it and we've done more yeah. research for it. So mm-hmm.
0: we want to address that appropriately and.
1: Yes. So don't be offended by this Please. section. We are literally just going by the book, and throwing it out there for you.
0: Yeah, yeah, throwing out what we've got, what the church has given us, and then our opinions to follow.
1: Mm -hmm. But we don't have any further facts
0: outside. (laughs) (laughs) There, (laughs) there. All right, so starting strong, as, of course, we always do, we are going into the family, a proclamation to the world. Um, I think that's, like, It's basically our strongest uh, piece of any type of evidence towards the concept of gender roles. And within it, it says, by divine design, fathers are to preside over their families in love and righteousness and are responsible to provide the necessities of life and protection for their families. Mothers are primarily responsible for the nurture of their children and these sacred responsibilities, fathers and mothers are obliged to help one another as equal partners. Disability, death, or other circumstances may necessitate individual adaptation. So that is pretty clear-cut saying like men are the protectors, women are the nurturers. That's very much how it's set up in our church where, you know, women tend to work more with the kids. And within that, not just in those cyber roles, but it, it very much plays out into how the, well, it plays into how the families are set up. I mean, though equal, they are given separate roles and given distinct guidelines, basically, to live by.
1: Yeah. And in a lot of my research regarding gender roles in just on the church website or church affiliated websites, most of the stuff pointed towards women and motherhood. It never pointed, I mean, it did point a little bit towards men and fatherhood, but Mm -hmm. not nearly as heavily as it did with women and motherhood. So a lot of the things that we're going to see in the church doctrine in regards to gender roles is going to be that women are meant to be mothers, nurturers, and people that are continuously caring for other people. And that's the basic gist of that. And then there's this quote by President Benson, Ezra Taft Benson, that confirms what I've just shared with you. It says, It is divinely ordained what a woman should do. The divine work of women involves companionship, homemaking, and motherhood. Brethren of the priesthood, I continue to emphasize the importance of mothers staying home to nurture, care for, and train their children in the principles of righteousness. You women were not created to be the same as men. Your natural attributes, affections, and personalities are entirely different from a man's. They consist of faithfulness, benevolence, kindness, and charity. They give you the personality of a woman. They also balance the more aggressive and competitive nature of a man the business world is competitive and sometimes ruthless we do not doubt that women have both the brain power and skills and in some instances superior abilities to compete with men but by competing they must of necessity become aggressive and competitive thus their godly attributes are diminished and they acquire a quality of sameness with man and those quotes are both from the eternal marriage manual
0: i just want to sigh groan and look away uh, I like, <laughs> I do like a few things. It's saying that we have that people, um, that children of God are born with natural attributes, affections, and, uh, personalities to a certain extent. Um, it's saying that we've been blessed with a lot and there is opportunity to share all these with the world around us. However, it does try to make it very black and white that, uh, the two specified genders here are, very different in every way, which is not always the scenario. Not every woman is born, raised, and lives a lifestyle where she presents as faithful, benevolent, kind, and charitable. Then not all men are aggressive and competitive in that manner. And it's, oh, I just have so many small problems with this. I mean, so that, I, get it, I get it, but, like, no.
1: So that one we'll hit more on in stereotypes yes. because I do have an entire segment about that. But mm-hmm. okay, so in regards to these two quotes by Ezra Taft Benson, what mm-hmm. I do like is that main line where he says, You women were not created to be the same as men. Mm-hmm. Like our natural attributes, affections, and personalities are entirely different from a man's. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy that immensely. Because Mm -hmm. we're not supposed to be the exact same. We're supposed to complement one another. So like where a man is lacking, a woman can kind of make up the difference in that relationship. Or where a woman is lacking, the man can make up the difference in that relationship. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be a compliment. It's never supposed to be at opposition or saying that the woman has to be a certain way and a man has to be a certain way. Exactly. It's all complementing partners in a relationship. And Mm -hmm. that's what I like in that
0: quote. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. I think that's really important to be able to highlight that. I mean, yes, we might be given certain clients within our life or we have certain attributes um, that help define us. But just because there is an expectation of a gender role doesn't mean that that we're going to be the best ones to always necessarily fill it. Mm-hmm. If if that makes sense. Um, because I mean, yeah, like as much as I want to be that kind of person, I I mean that's not as much as I want to be faithful, benevolent, kind, and charitable, like Ezra Taft Benson refers to, that's not necessarily like what makes me a woman. Like, it's just who I view myself as. It's the gender I've I have that I've accepted. And I just don't hmm. I can never finish these sentences. My goodness. (laughs) Gender roles, you guys. Gender roles are not what they were. Okay, so
1: I'm going to add on to that. Because just by you saying gender roles are not what they were. Mm -hmm. A lot of the... Okay, so Kately knows, but I'm going to share this with you. Because I was practically pulling my hair out of my head yesterday when I was doing... Yeah, research for this episode. Mm -hmm. I spent like two or three hours doing research and preparation for this episode. And the first hour was me combing through LDS.org and seeing so many quotes about how women entering the workforce is the beginning of Satan ruling the earth. Uh. And it like everything just made me angry And Mm -hmm. wanting to set the world on fire. But I realized that a lot of those quotes were from pre-1960. Oh, really? Many of the quotes that I was reading were pre-1960 and Mm -hmm. pre-like the beginning of the feminist movement in the United States. Huh. And or they were just at the beginning of the feminist movement and they were all from really old dudes who had never experienced a woman in the workforce before. Oh, my gosh. So, well, as I started looking at more recent quotes about womanhood and mm-hmm. women working and all of this other stuff and the qualities that women have that make them unique, I started seeing a complete switch. And things okay. Improve. Oh, so, nice. like, if you look at people that are leading the church now, like, President Nelson right. or D. Todd Christofferson or Dieter F. Uchtdorf or Jeffrey R. Holland, all of them have such high regard for women and especially women in the church, that it just like oozes out of everything they do and they say in conferences. And so that helped me significantly calm down yesterday. Okay. Oh, I'm- that's
0: good. Yeah. That's comforting.
1: Yeah. So again, doctrinally, what we see is that Gender roles were designed basically in the premortal existence and we were made to complement each other. Mm -hmm. But the personal views of members of the church and even church leadership is beginning to change and become more progressive. So Mm -hmm. just take a breath. We're going to move forward. We're going to start talking about stuff outside of the church now Mm -hmm. and just in regular society. Okay, so... I'm going to try to summarize (laughs) some of my Wikipedia findings. Bring it on, Tracy. Um, Okay. I literally just looked up on Wikipedia what gender roles were, and it defines it gender roles are usually centered on conceptions of masculinity and femininity, although Mm -hmm. there are exceptions and variations. The specifics regarding these gendered expectations vary substantially among cultures, while other characteristics may be common throughout a range of cultures. For example, in the U.S., marriage roles are generally decided on based on gender. For approximately the last seven decades, Heterosexual marriage roles have been defined for men and women based on society's expectations and the influence of the media. Men and women are typically associated with certain social rules dependent upon the personality traits associated with those roles. Traditionally, the role of the homemaker is associated with a woman and the role of a breadwinner is associated with a male. And that comes from literally the last 70 years or more of society and the media telling people that this is how it's supposed to be. So I'm just going to skip the rest of the Wikipedia stuff. If you want to look, if you want to learn more, I suggest just going to wikipedia.com, typing in gender roles, and you can read a lot of articles about it.
0: (laughs) There's so much. (laughs) So much. Um, I mean, well, the, the exciting thing here, though, is that gender roles is becoming a lot more... It's, it's becoming better understood. There are being, there are college classes and all types of courses where people are beginning to learn about the history of gender roles, how they've changed, and how to respond to them, which I think is very important and very fascinating because it helps us to become a lot more aware of our actions and how we view those around us. People are made to compliment one another, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the man has to be the breadwinner.
1: Right. All right. So I really like this quote that Kaylee put in our notes.
0: Yeah. OK. So this was pulled from a sociology course um, that I found online discussing the generals within the United States. And it was notes that were shared online um, discussing certain topics and pulled from lectures that were being presented to others.
1: It says one main thread in discussions about gender roles in the United States has been the historical evolution from a single income family or a family unit in which one spouse, typically the father is responsible for the family income to a dual family in sorry to a dual income <laughs> family how that would be weird or a family unit in which both spouses generate income. Before the rise of feminism in the 1960s and the 1970s and the influx of women into the workplace in the 1980s, women were largely responsible for dealing with home matters while men worked and earned income outside the house. Mm -hmm. While some claim that this was a sexist structure, others maintain that the structure simply represented a division of labor or a social system in which a particular segment of the population performs one type of labor and another Segment performs another type. So I mm-hmm. really like this because I think the 1980s was really when we started to see the shift.
0: Definitely, women were really beginning to take over the world mm-hmm. in the workforce. It's just a really exciting stuff. Um, but yeah, so I <laughs> really loved what that course shared. There's also a reference um, I want to share from precollege.nd.edu talking about gender and culture in American society. And so there are gender studies scholars, and so they point to various variations within gender roles and systems, and use them as evidence that gender is more of a social construct rather than an innate biological char- characteristic. Uh, we'll be discussing that, I'm sorry, in another episode more. But what I do want to be able to highlight is that it also says that um, because of that, there is no universal right way to be a man or a woman. And I just really like that point because... Like we said, there's different ways that we're all going to be the humans that we are, which is exciting. And we don't have to be stuffed into a small expectation and do this, the exact things that society is telling us to do. Like we have the option to still be the agency, to still be whoever we want to be. I, love and I that. Well, there's also a <laughs> head talk about it. haha <laughs> They're the best. Um, so Alice Drager, I believe, presented it. I don't remember what it was called. I apologize. But it was brought up in the Time Magazine discussing future gender norms. And she talks about how the way we categorize gender is just far too facile because gender is very complicated to consider like human nature. However, it does bring up the point, of course, that part of the struggle of relinquishing gender norms comes from an uncomfortable truth. Men have everything to gain when we overthrow patriarchy, but they also have something to lose from giving up their traditional masculinity. This is said by Tavia Nyong'o, an associate professor of performance studies at New York University, And and they emphasize that male rights vary widely across race and class divisions and that white men have even more to lose than men of color. So what do they lose? privileges they would lose control like over political economic and cultural domains they would lose access to network jobs economic opportunities put simply they do lose power and we've seen that and i i still see the arguments where it's like hey we gave you the right to vote we can take it away mm-hmm. and they say like well you didn't always get to do this so maybe you still don't deserve this and yep. if i give you this then that's taken away from what i have and i don't want that so i'm not going to give it to you no, just, honestly, that's going to be the biggest challenge. It really is. I think it is it the main gender. challenge, too. Yeah, like yeah. that we are we are facing, and we've been facing it for decades. Um, and I've also done a little bit of research as well um, lately, just through history, because there have been civilizations, there have been um, colonies, and all sorts of groups of people and countries where, like, they would have, like, really good, a really good balance of everyone complimenting one another, and they didn't have the expectations of these basic gender norms that we've worked with for so long. Um, And, like, the Western world kind of started to take over a lot of the older beliefs, and we're just like, no, women do this, men do that, and that's it. And it took away a lot of options that people once had. And now we are trying to get rid of that because it was dumb. Exactly. So let's wrap up gender roles because I know we could go on this one for like days and days. Yes, I know, I know. So
1: our our (laughs) conclusion on gender roles is it basically comes down to societal structure, choice, the need for equality for best possible outcomes, and it causes additional problems, which leads into our stereotypes, which is our hey. second Yes. So, for, we're going to break it up by men and women to start out with. So, just from mm. men, from our society's norms, we put men into a mold and expect them to behave and exist in a certain way. Men are expected to be strong physically, stoic or non-emotional Financial providers, whether they're the sole or the main providers for their families. Aggressive, ambitious, hardworking, often lecherous and
0: focused <laughs> on
1: sexual driven desires.
0: Um, I, I love how you chose lecherous as a word too. That's, that's no yeah. mm-hmm. um,
1: Athletic, <laughs> clean, powerful, and many, many more adjectives that all focus on power, pride and strength. That's mm-hmm. the like tiny box that we've put men in and,
0: and it's okay. But if you also need more examples of that, all you have to really do is go to like a shampoo and a hair care, like display in a store and you'll see how there's like flowers and fun things on all the women's stuff, but on the men's stuff it's all like black and gray and blue and like super dark and strong. And then it has like all these like really strong, aggressive words like black ice all the time. Yeah.
1: Um, And this is essentially where we get toxic masculinity from Mm -hmm. Um, driving the force that men have to be like this and then filling in the blank and nodding and not allowing them to also be kind, nurturing, sensitive or gentle or even allowing them to have emotions brings a toxic culture of manliness that often leads to domestic violence, bullying, aggression, suicide, boys Mm -hmm. will be boys mentalities, and our absolute favorite, mansplaining.
0: Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. The worst thing ever. But yeah, and that's like a serious stereotype. Like, these are all stereotypes that still very much exist. I know there's like always a few exceptions and everything, but it's so rampant in society. Like, it's the only way that you can be a man kind of thing. And it is the worst thing. Yeah. All right, so now let's look at the flip
1: side of women. From our society standpoint, women are supposed to be the polar opposite of men. Traditionally, women are expected to be delicate, both physically and mentally, Mm -hmm. kind, nurturing, caring, loving, generous, thoughtful, gentle, sympathetic, empathetic, sensitive, and many, many more adjectives that all focus on gentleness. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really like this one quote I'm going to throw it in here. it Mm -hmm. is you don't have to play masculine to be a strong woman which is by Mary Elizabeth Winstead so just
0: Mm -hmm. keep that in mind as we go through this next bit too (laughs) honestly yes and then I love this next section Um, pulled from Psychology Today discussing toxic femininity Mm -hmm. because sometimes the women who take their traditional gender roles too seriously to heart end up victims of toxic femininity which is defined as, when one works, to the benefit of others but to the detriment of themselves. It can appear as forms of depression, exhaustion, or wildly illogical solutions to complex problems. Essentially, women who focus so much on giving everything they have emotionally to others and neglect themselves and end up completely burnt out and uncared for because they gave all they had to others. Often this comes out as a result of trying to survive oppressive misogyny or internalized misogyny. And I think
1: we in the church can see this example in like the cookie cutter mold of what a Relief Society president is. Mm -hmm. So when you think of a stereotypical Relief Society president, you think of someone who is kind, kind of has that like lilting, gentle voice, is constantly serving, giving of their time, their talents, like giving food out to people, making Mm -hmm. visits, like doing everything they can to go above and beyond but then neglecting themselves completely. Mm-hmm. And I think that we as women need to take better care of ourselves in this respect because yes, we do have that innate nature to help other people and to do what we can to make other people happier.
0: Mm-hmm. But I
1: think we need to remember to not do that at the detriment of our own sanity, it, yeah.
0: safety, and health. Exactly. It's not supposed to be to the detriment of ourselves when we when we are helping others. We should be selfless, but it needs to be within our actual capacities. Mm -hmm. Like there's there have been places and opportunities where I've had where I'm like, okay, like I could help this person. But honestly, like I don't know how to do this. And I already know at the point I'm at where I am at in this very moment, like I I can't do it. I'm going to have to either figure out and get someone else to help them out or I just have to hope and pray for them and do what I can And in that way, because that's sometimes just what's going to happen. Like being burned out is the worst thing. And it's hard to pull ourselves back up, especially because it never like the waves of people needing our help never really stops. Mm -hmm. And we have to be able to know where the line is for ourselves to make sure that we do not push ourselves overboard. And I mean, honestly, this goes for men as well. Like this isn't just something that women always deal with. Uh, but this is as a divine trait, um, that women are nurturing and the helpers and the help meet, we do tend to get bogged down with all of the, all of the work in a certain extent, um, and we can't take it on if we can't really manage it.
1: Exactly. Um, I'm going to throw out, like, a shameless plug for the newest do issue it. of the Ensign. Yes. Um. There are two articles that I think will really help combat these stereotypes. So one, there's one about being a helpmeet. It's literally, I think it's called like, what is a helpmeet or something like that. So read that. It's very informative and tells you that helpmeet doesn't just mean like a servant or whatever. It means like strength and like someone who lifts people up. Anyways, it's important. You should read it. And then the second one is... Also, in the enzyme, it's in the back. It's about mental health. It's in the section for young adults. So, definitely take a second to read that. But it talks about everything that we've just covered with burnout and like giving up so much of ourselves, but not taking time mm-hmm. for
0: ourselves. Agreed, agreed. Okay, and then there's one more thing I'd like to share in regards to toxic masculinity and femininity. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've seen online a bit where people get too judgmental of others who are dealing with these kind of situations. Let me see if I can think of an example. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, mean, we're both feminists, but there are some people who get to be the hardcore feminists where they judge other women for being too soft. That's not OK. And it's not OK to be judging someone who is in a gender role, who has accepted it and enjoys their life in that manner. Yeah, because, yeah, there are there are times where I am more forgiving than I'd like to be. But I'm going to be forgiving because that's the kind of person I would prefer to be, even if it very much fits into the role as a woman, for example. Um, I don't know if I can find a better example, but it is possible to think too strongly about something without realizing that you're still being a hypocrite about it and it's important that as we try to progress from feeling trapped within these gender roles that we're not trapping others in them as well what we need to be doing is being supportive and saying hey like if that's the person you want to be then that is a great thing as long as of course it's not hurting someone else kind of thing but 100 yes Yes.
1: so with that we're going to slide on into probably our most negative part of the and episode, which is double standards. Yes. Um, so I, I really like this first one. Oh, my gosh. So the first one is being assertive. And this is from insider.com. And it's from an article called Women's Double Standards. All right. mm-hmm. It says, an assertive, successful woman being seen as bossy and less likable than a man with a similar demeanor, it's a catch-22. Whatever women do at work, they have to do it nicely. But the more you back off, the more they don't take you seriously. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes being a woman in a business situation, if you're assertive and you're like not really aggressive, but if you're ambitious and like pushing forward, they'll label you as a bitch or... Mm -hmm philosophy, or whatever. Meanwhile, if
0: a guy does it, it's totally fine. Exactly. Yeah, which is, it's not okay. Plainly put. Um, Another one which definitely bothers the crap out of me because (laughs) my life. Okay. So the double standards of of weight and body size. So a recent change in society is that we've begun to consider dad bods attractive. But women are still expected to remain slim or lose weight after having a baby. Yeah. And it bugs the crap out of me that so many celebrities are like, okay, yeah, like, I had my baby, and now it's been, like, three weeks, so I have to start working out again, and I have to lose all this baby weight, or and maybe even more, like, immediately. And Or they're already going out at that time, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, like, how did you do that? I mean, as long as you're being healthy, then that's great. Do what you will. But the fact that we are – so much more accepting of men and their move with the dad bods is not okay when we're not accepting that towards women either Mm -hmm. Um. so another
1: double standard example is we talked about last week modesty i know we talked about this last week (laughs) i am still not over this line from the for the strength of youth pamphlet that says and i quote young women should avoid short shorts and short skirts Shirts that do not cover the stomach and clothing that does not cover the shoulders or is low-cut in the front or the back. Young men should also maintain modesty in their appearance. That is the most bogus thing I
0: have ever freaking heard.
1: I hate it so much. And you already know from last week's episode and from the Instagram post... For our episode last week, but young women get an explicitly detailed list of things we shouldn't wear to be modest. But men get a simple just maintain modesty.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, Dan. Sure.
1: I'm, OK. Yeah. Right.
0: OK, well, the, the interesting thing here, though, is that this is very much played from it, it's remained a constant within society and like religion. I watched a TikTok video Of this guy, that was a teacher, and he was, they were getting ready for this new year, and it was a Zoom call, of course, and everyone was like, okay, like, here's all the um, expectations, and okay, like, here's a teacher dress code for this year, and it was literally just for women like there was like they were saying okay you can wear these kind of shoes but you can't wear those kind of shoes you can wear these kind of clothes but you can't wear those kind of clothes and you have to be careful about this this and that and then they're about to close out the slide and they're like okay like yeah let's move on and then he's like i'm sorry wait like that's just for women like what what about men don't men have any expectations and they're just like what no one thinks about that and it's not okay because they're not only just saying, hey, men can wear anything, but they're also saying that women have to be so restricted in their clothing when that's when we shouldn't be talking about that. Yeah. It's it's not the important thing here. It's subconscious. Um, it's so mm-hmm. stupid. Exactly. And that's it's mm-hmm. not OK. But no. we talked
1: about that last week. All right. All right. And another one. It's our last one because we know we could rant about this for days on end. Forever. Um, But the last one is promiscuity. So in 2019, psychologist Michael Marks of New Mexico University did a study with 4,500 young adult men and women, ranging between ages 18 to 35, about the number of sexual partners they've had. They asked the people in the study to share their number with the group and their thoughts on the numbers that men and women had. (laughs) Researchers stated the results showed a clear pattern women were increasingly
0: derogated
1: derogated, derogated. oh no i think you're right
0: derogated I can't announce anything so okay. i trust you tracy okay i'm gonna you say derogated i like as it
1: the number of sexual partners increased but men were not this pattern held whether the people doing the judging were male or female The sexual double double standard was more pronounced as participants' certainty about the target's number of sexual partners increased. Still, the impact of this confidence was very small, meaning that women were judged more harshly even if the participants
0: were relying on rumors or speculation. Yeah, that's that's not cool. And then it does highlight uh, like what, what you just said, um, that this pattern of being judged held whether the people doing the judging were male or female. So like I said earlier, like you can still be toxic towards all genders, like if you're just not allowing for people to live their own lives, basically. Mm-hmm. And this is not OK. And I've been seeing the recent trend of like, oh, what's your kill count of all the people you've slept with? Mm-hmm. And and everyone shows so much surprise every single time about women saying like more than like one or two people. Yeah. It it has to eventually add up, like just mathematically wise, if the men are saying, Oh, I've been with 40 people <laughs> and the girls have been with two. Like, I know there's more women than men in the world, but still like it, like the, unless all the men are having sex with each other, then I mean, that definitely <laughs> makes more sense. But like, come on, you guys, like, it's not okay to, like, be judging one gender when they're both doing it.
1: Yes, that's the thing that kills me is, like, if a dude says that he's been with, like, 10 women, that Mm -hmm. means that there are 10 women out there who have potentially also been with 10 other men. Mm -hmm. You have to think logically that if a dude has been with a woman, that she is not the only, like, you are not the only (laughs) man that she has been with. Like, Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Oh.
0: And we've discussed this in past episodes where we say, hey, like women do not lose any part of themselves um, once they've had sex. Mm-hmm. Like that's that does not take away from who they are, from what they can offer to others and to the world. That does not take away from the child of God, that the, the daughter of God regarding who they are. And th- it, the same goes for men. And we need to treat that equally and we can't be allowing that double standard to to play into everything. Yeah. Ridiculous. <sighs> so
1: basically so double standards are garbage and we need to just light them on fire.
0: Pretty much. Like yeah. they're they're not okay. Um, I mean there there's gonna be a lot more double standards, um, but those are just some of the main ones we wanted to highlight and I mean, I know I've thought some of these things before, and I constantly am. Ca- I have to catch myself, and I'm like, "Hey, no, like this isn't okay." So I have to rewrite the scripts in my head and be like, "Okay, like no, this is how it is, and this is okay, like in this in this context." Like, and it's very important that we are consciously catching ourselves when these double standards come into play within our minds, and we have to consider them and see how we can rewrite them for ourselves so that we can better support our brothers and sisters. Exactly. So
1: now let's flip it around. Let's go back to positivity. And we're going to focus on empowerment now. So we're going to do male empowerment first because oftentimes men feel like we don't actually want to give them any sort of empowerment. So we're going to surprise men and empower them for a minute. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's do this.
1: Okay. So. Most of the quotes that I got from church or, like, church-affiliated sites mm-hmm. are from D. Todd Christofferson, who is oh, yes. a champion of men and women. Like, he, he is. is just magnificent.
0: He's, wonderful. He's um, a great example to refer to in all this stuff. If you guys just want to read, like, everything he has said.
1: Really? Um. So this quote comes from the October 2012 conference, Brethren, We Have Work to Do. He says... "'As men of the priesthood, we have an essential role to play in society, at home, and in the church. But we must be men that women can trust, that children can trust, and that God can trust.' In the church and the kingdom of God in these latter days, we cannot afford to have boys and men who are drifting. We cannot afford young men who lack self-discipline and live only to be entertained. We cannot afford young men who are going nowhere in life, who are not serious about forming families and about making a real contribution in this world. We cannot afford husbands and fathers who fail to provide spiritual leadership in the home. You adult men, fathers single adults, leaders, home teachers. Be worthy models and help the rising generation of boys become men. Teach them social and other skills. How to participate in a conversation. How to get acquainted with and interact with others. How to relate to women and girls. How to serve. How to be active and enjoy recreation. How to pursue hobbies without becoming addicted. How to create or sorry, how to correct <laughs> mistakes and how create to create them make, too. <laughs> how to correct mistakes and how to make better choices. End quote. I mm. love that.
0: It is so important. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know a lot of great guys. Like there are plenty, even though I rag on men on occasion. Regularly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but. Um, but there is so much good that they can, that they can do that uh, there they can be so great. And it's important that we help them in any way that we can um, and that we help one another in that. Because some of the men I have known are truly incredible. And if we could have everyone like that, then that is great. And in the Eternal Marriage Manual, it says fatherhood, in a sense, it's an apprenticeship to Godhood. So if given the opportunity to be a father, it really is, from what I hear, an excellent opportunity to be awesome, to learn awesome things, and to, to build a family.
1: Exactly. All right. So from the October 2006 General Conference talk, Let Us Be Men, also by D. Todd Christofferson, he says, integrity is fundamental to being men integrity means being truthful, but it also means accepting responsibility and honoring commitments and covenants. A man of integrity will honestly face and correct his mistakes, and that is an example we can respect.
0: Amen to that. Yes. And I love these other um, quotes that we've gathered. So just from Andrew Jackson, he said, any man worth his salt will stick up for what he believes right. But it takes a slightly better man to acknowledge instantly and without reservation that he is in error. And that is so important because pride tends to get in our way so often for for anyone. And it's important to be able to acknowledge that and that that frees men of their toxic masculinity to be able to speak up and to admit a wrong and to correct it. This next quote comes from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He says, the ultimate
1: measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands
0: at times of challenge and controversy. I love that so much. Well, and then it, it, to me, that plays into line with all evil has, like, what, what is it that it's that quote about how like evil wins with, if men, if good men stand on the sidelines.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And to me, like that has always stuck with me, even if I cannot remember exactly how it's said. Um, but the mark of a good man is someone who is willing to act and do the right thing um, when it needs to be done. And he takes that seriously. And I think that is so important. Okay. And then we'll end off with this awesome quote by Marcus Aurelius who always had super good things to say. And he said, waste no more time arguing about what a good man should be. Be one. Perfect. So strong. I like it. So
1: that's for you guys. You can't say that we never try to pump you up on this podcast because we do.
0: (laughs) We got you. We are here for you. We are here to help you. And those are just a few takeaways that you can take and work on and embrace in your life. Exactly. So there. And now
1: (laughs) the women. All right. So this is from October 2015 General Conference. It's from President Nelson. His talk a plea to my sisters. He says, My dear sisters, you who are our vital associates during this winding up scene, the day that President Kimball foresaw is today. You are the women he foresaw. Your virtue, light, love, knowledge, courage, character, faith, and righteous lives will draw good women of the world along with their families to the church in unprecedented numbers. We, your brethren, need your strength, your conversion, your conviction, your ability to lead, your wisdom, and your voices. The kingdom of God is not and cannot be complete without women who make sacred covenants and then keep them, women who speak with the power and authority of God.
0: Love that so much. like Anytime President Nelson talks about women, it just makes me so happy Mm -hmm. because he has such a way— and talking about how important we are, and he he does like he plays into the gender roles a little bit, but mostly he's just like, hey, like we need you, we need anything that you can provide, and the kingdom of God is not complete without you. And I love that. And then President Boyd K. Packer also said that we need women who are organized and women who can organize. We need women with executive ability who can plan and direct and administer, women who can teach, women who can speak out. We need women with a gift of discernment who can view in the tr- view the trends in the world and de- and detect those that, however popular, are shallow or dangerous. President Nelson went on to say that we need women who know how to make important things happen by their faith and who are courageous defenders of morality and families in a sin-sick world. We need women who are devoted to shepherding God's children along the covenant path toward exaltation. Women who know how to receive personal revelation, who understand the power and peace of the temple endowment. Women who know how to call upon the powers of heaven to protect and strengthen children and families. Women who teach fearlessly." I, I don't I don't know who says this next one. So that's all you, Tracy.
1: <laughs> oh, it's also President Nelson. It's all from the Brilliant.
0: same. Talk. Oh, my gosh. OK, I should pay attention. It's OK. There's just so much good stuff in there that I'm just paying more attention to the contents than where it came from. <laughs> it's
1: OK. This last quote is him wrapping up his talk. He says, My dear sisters, whatever your calling, whatever your circumstances, we need your impressions, your insights, and your inspiration. We need you to speak up and speak out in ward and state councils. We need each married sister to speak as a contributing and full partner as you unite with your husband in governing your family. Married or single, you sisters possess distinctive capabilities and special intuition you have received as gifts from God. We, brethren, cannot duplicate your unique influence. We know that the culminating act of all creation was the creation of woman.
0: Perfect. Well said. I love it. And then for anyone who was concerned that we'd only use quotes from men about women, that is not the case. (laughs) So we've got a quote from Susan B. Anthony. She said, The day will come when men will recognize women as his peer, not only at the fireside, but in councils of the nation. Then, and not until then... Will there be the perfect comradeship, the ideal union between the sexes that shall result in the highest development of the race? And that ties into everything that we've been saying thus far about the complementing of relationships and people of different genders. Like, we need everyone together. And I love how she said that.
1: Yeah. And then following up with that is C. Bell C., She says, every girl and every woman has the potential to make this world a better place, (laughs) and that potential lies in the act of thinking higher thoughts and feeling deeper things. When women and girls everywhere begin to see themselves as more than inanimate objects, but as beautiful beings capable of deep feelings and high thoughts, this has the capacity to create change all around, the kind of change that is for the better. I love that
0: so much. It is so wholesome, so great. But anyways, let me end off with this quote then. I love to see a young girl go out and grab the world by the lapels. Life's a bitch. You've got to go out and kick ass. Yeah. Boom. Yes. Life is hard. We know it. Especially when we're dealing with double standards, stereotypes, and gender roles. Yeah. So let's do something about it, you guys.
1: Hopefully, you guys feel a little bit better about (laughs) your own gender today after... Listening to this, we really tried to make this as uplifting as possible and to cut our rants
0: down. I think we did okay for once. I think we did too. So I don't think we we didn't we didn't yeah. go crazy or anything. We didn't yeah. It's not that we'd go crazy, it's that we'd just talk for a very long time about everything. Yeah. And repeat every bad thing that's ever happened.
1: Yeah. So, in the future, if you guys would like us to do Another episode about any of the subtopics we've talked about today in regards to gender roles, stereotypes and double standards, please let us know. We are totally open to it and we
0: actually would really enjoy doing another episode about this. Well, that and if they have input to share with us. I mean, we are all, like, there's only so much research we can do. And it's often fit within just an hour or so. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> i <thinking> for myself <laughs> here. Um, so if you guys have anything that you think that should be said here, that should be shared, please let us know. Like, we'd love to hear from you guys. And if we are missing anything, then help us fill in the gaps here. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to do our part and be of help, but we also need you guys to do that. So. absolutely but we do hope you enjoyed this we hope you got a few insights out of this and had some fun so
1: all right well thanks for listening guys all right we appreciate you bye, bye.